Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a crowd podcast. So I think I won 168 bottles of Lauren Perrier champagne. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not nowhere near going on the green. You know they've got a quirky putting stroke if it's all elbows. He's only gone and sunk a 93-foot putt, mate. The ball just looks like it sort of dives in the hole. I can't cope with grain. I cannot cope. I'd say that's acceptable. Sounds like you're laying bricks, not putting. <laughs> no, that's bollocks. <laughs> so That's bollocks. That's not a world record. Fuck off. I'm Andrew Beef Johnston. And I'm John Robbins. Welcome to Beef's Golf Club. Yes, mate, what's going on? I'm good, just recovering from the PGA, of course. Did you watch much of it? Because I think, was it last time I heard, you were like, ah, it's only the fourth best major, I'm not really that bothered about it. Well, yeah, I watched the entirety of the last two rounds, the Saturday and the Sunday. And it's kind of mad because, you know, when like a a sort of the, the narrative you want to happen, the sort of the fairy tale narrative begins to be possible and then just with eight holes to go all kind of falls apart. And you're like, oh, right, okay. So Brooks is one. It, it was weird because you thought like about five or six holes in, Brooks has won. And then it just got closer and closer and you're like, it's happening, it's happening and happening. Oh, now it's not happening. I'm going to be up till midnight. I'm a bit confused. What's happening here? Well, about five or six holes in, it looked like Brooks was in control. And I always think Hovland's got a big miss. He's like got a nightmare miss. And that happened early doors. And then Brooks bogeyed a couple and I think it was back to one shot different. And then and there was a point where Justin Rose was sort of looking like he might have a spectacular finish. And I think it was probably with like seven holes to go, it was or six holes to go, he was thinking, oh, I think Hovland's gonna nick this. And then he just, you know, had a couple of big misses and um and then it sort of was a bit of a procession for the final few holes. Yeah, you gotta give it to Brooks though. There was two moments in that where Brooks like slammed the door shut again on a couple of putts and he's a machine he's an absolute machine when when you get someone like that in majors who won't back down they're so tough to beat uh, we've had a question uh, on the pga from jess marshall jess says hi beef i was watching the pga championship a few weeks back and jumped out of my seat when michael block hit a hole in one have you ever hit a hole in one in a tournament or how close have you been uh, well, first off, did you see Michael Block's hole-in-one live? Yeah, I did. That was insane. Yeah, it was nuts. And also on the on the screen, it didn't look like he'd got a hole-in-one. It looked like the ball had just disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live, I, I looked at it and I was like... It, I was like the same reaction as he did. I was like, has that gone in? And I was watching it with my brother. And we were like, is, is, that, is that in the hole? And then obviously everyone starts cheering and they slow it down and you get the replays and stuff like that. But I mean, what a story. What a story. But not only the hole-in-one, I mean the up and down on the last. Oh, that was insane. Knowing that you need to make par to get in next year. It's an incredible story. It's so good. Yeah, it sort of made up for... Because I was supporting Victor Hovland or Justin Rose. And I quite like the goodies and the baddies sort of narrative of Liv versus the PGA. So I didn't want Brooks to win as much as I respect him as a golfer. That story did kind of make up for that. Do you think Liv has made golf could turn into like um, almost like a Marvel type of thing with the goodies and baddies? Yeah, I reckon it has. Also, they Bryson and Brooks got booed on the first tee and the commentators were like, oh, there's no place for that. That's appalling behavior. And I thought, oh, fair play. You know, that's literally, you, you takes your money, you makes your choice. I think I think that's fair enough. I want more of that. And I wanted more of that at the Masters, actually. It does make it more interesting when you do have that kind of, like, pantomime kind of thing, yeah, with people booing and cheering and stuff like that. You know, I don't care. But, I, I, again, it just, it sort of backs Brooks's temperament and his mentality. Yeah. To be booed and to come out and win and not give a shit at all is is incredible really beef have you ever had a hole in one on in a tournament yeah i've had a couple i had wentworth wow a hole in one 
and Scottish Open as well. Uh, well, uh, talk us through it. What what happened? Do you get an extra prize like a uh, one four seven in uh, snooker? So Wentworth, I won a car. Really? Yeah, it was funny. So my caddy, it was the first one I played. My caddy was like, "Pin's probably going to be here. Let's hit some shots here for Thursday." And it was like the perfect seven iron. And I wasn't playing too well and I got up on the tee and it was like exactly the same conditions. And I was just like, I didn't even need a yardage. I was like, just give me the seven iron. And I didn't think you could get it very close because the greens were firm and where they put the pin, it usually ends up sort of 20 foot behind the hole. And I hit it, just took one bounce and went straight in the hole. Well, I'm watching it now, Beef. Uh, you've taken a mighty swing. <laughs> it's always like you're, you're trying to chop a tree down your swing. It's taken... What is it? Is that a compliment? Yeah, 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 yeah. You really, you really uh, throw yourself into it. So it's gone in. You're just walking straight over the tees. You're now running. Your hands by your side. A big old chest bump to uh, a chap in a brown top. Then you've run back, picked up your club, and now you've gone. You've picked the ball out of the hole, holding it to the crowd, not repairing your pitch mark. It's textbook stuff. Just. Just walking off the green there. You haven't got a beard. No, that was that was pre-beard. <laughs> pre-beard. Lovely stuff. Very good. Very good. Does it when does your caddy repair your pitch mark then? No, I definitely repaired that. Big old chunk out of the green there. That's a shame. <laughs> what a real shame. It. <laughs> yeah, Scotland was the other one, and that was quite a strange one, to be honest. It was at Castle Stewart. I'm going to say it was the 11th. I think it was the 10th, 11th, I think it was. And it's a little par three down by the water. Now, all the water's at the back of the green, and the green kind of like shapes sort of, you've got a bit at the front and then shapes kind of towards the water. So anything long, ball's lost. It's in the sea. So I was looking at it and I was like, oh, this is a big eight iron. I was like, I don't know if it's going to get there, but I can't hit seven iron. And I've just absolutely flushed an eight iron and expecting it to come up probably a few yards short. And it went straight in the hole. And um, I'm pretty sure I was playing with um, Philip Price. And he went, I think you win champagne for that. And I was like, really? And I was like, I think so. He goes, I had a hole in one here last year and won a bottle of champagne every yard. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I think I won 168 bottles of Lauren Perrier champagne. <laughs> so what? how do you get them home? They just ship it to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. That was nuts. Like <laughs> When I won the Edinburgh Comedy Award, I got 12 bottles of champagne and it was the worst champagne I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> it was absolute, like, it was just, you know, when you're like, you you could have got nice Prosecco for the cost of this cheap champagne. What did you do? Did you drink it or did you just hand it out to people you don't really like? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Gobbled it down. <laughs> Funnel in the neck. <laughs> Right. Uh, well, we better get on with this episode because it's a very important topic. The topic is putting. Well, mate, this is a big episode today because we're going to be discussing one of the most, if not the most important parts of the game, putting. And I know you haven't played too much recently, but have you? been practicing putting to a biscuit of any sort? I haven't practiced to a biscuit yet. I've, I mean, I've got a putt-out mat with a sort of nature's biscuit, which is a plastic ramp at the end that you have to get the ball to sit in a little hole. I've been doing a bit of that. I think it's probably the place to start. Given that everyone knows putting's the most important part of the game, given that everyone knows putting is the place where you can make the biggest gains, why does no one practice their putting? Why is it that I haven't been practicing my putting for half an hour a day when I've, you know, instead of looking at my phone, instead of fiddling around on YouTube, I could easily set up my mat here in my living room and putt for half an hour. Why don't I do that? I would probably say it's because it's probably the most boring practice to do at golf. I was speaking to um, Harrington about this and he was like, you've got to keep yourself entertained while you're, while you're putting and doing chipping because he goes, it can get really boring while you're doing it and I'd say that's probably why everyone wants to put out the driver and give it a rip or you know when you go down the range and you absolutely flush one putting's quite different to that isn't it yeah but it shouldn't be because there's no better feeling in golf than holding a 30 foot putt that feels better than nailing a drive or hitting a sweet iron or chipping it close it's got to be the best feeling in golf so why aren't why don't you get that same 
adrenaline rush from from when you do that on the putting green. Because it's just more boring. It's, it's not as fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just nuts because everyone knows it. The crucial thing about putting is there is no reason on earth why anyone can't putt as well as Tiger Woods. There's no mechanical reason at all. Like there's a, a lot of good reasons why I can't hit the ball like Bryson, why I can't strike my irons like Harrington. There is no reason on earth that if I practice the same as Tiger Woods with my putter, that I wouldn't be as good a putter as him. Are you serious? Yeah, 100%. There's nothing physical or technical that I I can't recreate just with enough practice putting. It is, yeah, but it's really... But there's stuff, there's stuff that pros can do with their with their irons, with their driver that I'll never be able to do. I think, yeah, mentally, and there's a lot of technique to it and feel. So, yeah, it's the hours. It, it's generally the hours you put in, like you say, but you've got green reading as well. Yeah. All the pros will practice green reading as well. So it's not just about practicing putting, you practice reading the green. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I'd certainly notice playing with lots of amateurs, the range of putting strokes and how people just live their life with a terrible putting stroke and never address it. And you can see it and it's ugly and jabby or it's sort of all elbows. And I think probably a putting lesson would be the most impactful lesson you could have. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. I probably reckon that's the most offensive way you could say about someone's putting is his putting stroke is all elbows. <laughs> I love that saying. <laughs> You know, you know they've got a quirky putting stroke if it's all elbows. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Putting lessons are important. You go for a, a golf lesson or you go for a chipping lesson or a, a lesson hitting the ball. Why not go for a putting lesson? I mean, there's so many good putting coaches out there. You could go and see. Putting's one of them things. It's, again, repeating the same thing all the time. So you're not moving the putter too far back and forth but the strike is really important on a putter and that sounds stupid but if you strike it consistently you'll be better with speed you'll be better with line and they're the, obviously the two keys speed and line if you can start the ball well you've got a good chance from close range but speed then becomes key from six foot out five foot out and if you go to a tournament or watch a lot of the guys they will be putting all over the green across doing loads of different speed drills putting five 10, 15, 20 foot, loads and loads and loads because um, one, if you're putting from long range, even if you're a foot out on line, you're only a foot away from the hole if your speed's good, right? Speed is definitely really important. And I notice a lot with the amateurs where they could hit it 10 foot short, 10 foot past, and now you're struggling. If they worked on their speed a bit more, I definitely think it'd improve. Yeah, I think that's another reason why it's so much more achievable for an amateur to be a good putter is your putting stroke is always the same. You know, it's not like you're having to adapt it to the, the lie or the wind or you're not having to play different sorts of putts. It's just distance and line. You can hit an eight iron, you can hit it a bit left, a bit right, you're still going to be on the green, a bit short, a bit long. With a putt, I think the margins are so much smaller. Yeah. You misread the green a touch, you miss it. Why don't you tell us who are your sort of three best putters in history, like the best ever putters? It would have to probably be... Luke Donald, Brad Faxon. I don't know too much about Ben Crenshaw, but he was supposed to be an amazing putter. I actually played a, uh, with a guy as well in uh, the New Orleans tournament. Uh, you know the pairs one called uh, Carl Reifers? Uh, no. Uh, they play every year, the Zurich Classic, and you play in a team of two. I played that a few years ago. Have you never heard of that? No. Yeah, Zurich Classics, PGA Tour event. I play with a fella, Carl Reifers, and you play foursomes the first day. We'd played like six holes and we were we were level par, one over, something like that. I hit a shot into a par five, a third shot into about 10 foot. Yeah. And his caddy was like, here we go, this is in. Anyway, he rolled it straight in the middle. And I quickly realised that this guy was some serious putter. I've never, I haven't seen anything like it up front before. And because in foursomes, I think I probably had the first like four holes where I putted. And I just realized all I've got to do is get the ball within 20 foot and he's going to make some putts here. And literally after that, once we got it on a run, he was insane. I've, I've never seen every putt he looked at, whether it was 10 foot or 30 foot, every putt was like shaving the hole, like perfect speed. He was one of the best putters I've ever seen. There's something else that good putters do. They strike the ball a certain way where the ball goes in the hole differently to some other putters. But the way they strike it uh -huh. and the way the ball rolls so clean, 
He sort of like goes over the edge and dips in the hole. You're going to have to explain that, dear. I can't really explain it. I've only seen it with a few players. Daly had a bit of it when I played with John Daly. He hit a few putts and the ball just looks like it sort of dives in the hole rather than sort of hits the back of the cup. Uh-huh. It's really weird. It's like an illusion. But he had it. Cole Reif has had it. Luke Donald had it. But I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's a fact. I'm not crazy. Well, I'll tell you another fact, someone you didn't put on your list. Between 2002 and 2005, Tiger Woods had 1,343 putts from three feet and in. How many do you think he missed? None. One. He missed three. Oh, yeah. He's one of the greatest putters. He's the obvious one. I'm, I was thinking more people I've played with. Uh, what sort of putter do you use, Beef? A uh, Newport. Like a Scotty Cameron Newport. Like a normal putter not like a big mallet putter yeah i might have been using the big putter when we played i've changed it since then i think i might have been using the bigger headed putter okay so this this is i think an interesting question for amateurs because very very few people get fitted for clubs even fewer get fitted for putters what determines whether you use a mallet or the spider type, or a blade putter, or one with little prongs coming out of the back, whether you use a massive big old grip or a thin grip. Is it just feel, or do they suit different sorts of putting stroke? They definitely suit different putting strokes. A lot of the mallet putters and the bigger ones, if you kind of like lay the the club across your fingers, you'll see the putter face sort of face upwards, right? Mm. And that means it's like a face balance putter. And generally, you'll see people with quite a straight back and straight through putting arc will putt with a face balance putter. People who putt more sort of a bit more rotational, sort of like let the club... A bit more of an arc in there, sort of... Yeah, um... a bit more of an arc and let the, like, the face kind of move. You'll see putters like, um, that will have more weight in the toe. So that will help like release the putter. So yeah, there's generally like two styles. So if you hang up, if you hang a putter up and it faces upright, that'd be a face balance. If the toe's hanging down, that'd be more weight in the toe, which you want with a bit of arc. There's so many factors to it: the weight of the head, the shape, the shaft, like the angle, the way the putter sits. So the way your hands work, you see people with really sort of flat laying putters with their hands quite low. I putt with my hands quite high. There's just so many different techniques, different grips. You can go normal grip, left below right, if you're a right-hander, Jordan Spieth style. You can go to the claw grip, like Tommy Fleetwood. I used it for a bit. I mean, there's loads. You've got the putters that run up your left arm, like the longer putters like Ryan Fox. It's, it's sort of the secret just to pick the one that works best for you. There's no real, like, law about what's a good grip or what grip a pro would use or an amateur would use. You're just sort of finding what feels comfortable and what gives you the best success. Yeah, I think you want a grip where your hands sit nicely in it. I've realised I've got quite fat palms and really short fingers, right? And a standard grip doesn't sit well in my hands. And when I've gone to, like, a thicker grip, it feels a lot better and more stable in my hands. So... I think it's a case of understanding what your grip does and definitely go and try different grips, see what it feels like. Try different parts, see what it feels like. Pick them up, feel the weight, hit a few parts, see what they do. Well, I'm going to ask you some more questions and bits and bobs about putting, but let's uh, see what our listeners have to say on the matter. Uh, We've had this from Paul. Uh, The most epic putt, definitely my only time playing Valderrama 20 years ago. Off 12 handicap, I played two nice shots onto the par 5 11th and was short, but on the large apron about 15 yards from the green. I decided to putt it and it went like an Exocet missile slamming into the flag and in for an eagle. Is there any better feeling than the ball slamming in the hole off the flag? What do you reckon? No, because you know you're going to be about 20 foot away if it misses. Well, (laughs) this is a big question. Now that you can putt with a flag in, what do you do? Flag in or out? Flag in if I'm far away. I think the perception's quite good. When when the flag's in and you're 30, 40 foot and you've got a big slope there, I I like putting with it in, but still close range and close, I'll take it out. Uh, What's the longest putt you've ever made, Beef? Uh, I would probably say it was, I think it was the BMW tournament. And I remember remember being on the ninth and you've got all water down the right and it's a really long, thin green and I've hit it sort of front left and the pin's back right. And I remember walking all the way down the other side thinking... I could fucking putt this in the water here. 
as I was walking back and I had a look and I was like, I'm just going to smack it up the left side and let the slope take it there. And I was like, it must have been about 60 foot. And I remember hitting it and it just, <laughs> yeah, just going and going and going. I'm like, oh shit, it's going in. <laughs> and just like drop straight in. But honestly, it's like, it was miles away. It was miles away. <laughs> so just to confirm, your longest putt is 60 Something feet. Something like that. Yeah, I reckon. Interesting, because um, let me take you back to uh, 13th of April 2022. Clandy Boy Golf Club in Dufferin. And little Johnny JR, he's hit a 225-yard drive. He's then duffed a 7-iron, 113 yards. He's then hit his 4-hybrid, and he's really missed the green. He's gone way short with that. He's fluffed a gap wedge. I'm not, I'm not nowhere near going on the green. I've thought to hell with this. I'm 31 yards away from the flag. But nothing to get over, so I'll probably just uh, pick out the old uh, putter, get it on, get it close, maybe. He's only gone and sunk a 93-foot putt, mate. What? Yes. And I've got evidence because there was someone watching. Andrew Ryan, comedian, golfer, uh, was there. Yeah, 93 feet was my longest ever putt, which does put me somewhere up there on the list of longest ever putts, which I thought we could go through now. That's insane. Yeah, it is. It was a really, really good feeling epic man that is that is such a long putt that is ridiculous speaking of long putts the longest putt by length is 395 feet and it was sunk by an australian trick shot artist named brett stanford breaking the guinness world record for the longest putt ever hold striking the putt from the fifth fairway of point walter golf course stanford's ball bounced and dipped its way onto the green and into the hole so it's 120 meters which is what is that in yards 132 which is basically a par three now i don't think this counts i've watched the video and he's obviously had loads and loads and loads of attempts so in my mind, though he's the person to hit the ball furthest into the hole with a putter, it's not the same. Well, so he's had loads of mulligans. Oh, he's just, he's set up two flags 120 metres from the hole and he's just hit ball after ball after ball after ball after ball. I just don't think that's the same as hitting a long putt in a round of golf, whether it's a casual round or a competitive round. You can't take it again. No, that's bollocks. <laughs> So that's bollocks. That's not a world record. Fuck off. <laughs> Never been. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like like you know when they do that hole in one competition where you where you've got like five hundred balls to get a hole in one. It's that sort of thing. So I'm not so impressed with that. No. Nah. What I am impressed with is the longest ever televised putt. Do you know who that was? I remember this one because it was at the Dunhill, wasn't it? It was. I don't remember who it was, but I remember there's a fit. Every year that Dunhill was on, that putt comes up. Well, do you remember who it beat as the longest ever televised putt? No. The longest ever televised putt is Michael Phelps, 159 feet at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship at King's Barnes. And it is a quite extraordinary putt. For years and years, for 20, maybe 30 years, the longest ever televised putt was held by Terry Wogan, uh, 100 feet at the 1981 Pro-Am at uh, Glen Eagles. The footage of it is so great. It really is a long way away and the way he falls over afterwards. But the record for the longest ever tournament putt is Jack Nicholas, 110 feet at the 1964 Tournament of Champions at Desert Inn. But I think probably my favourite on the list of all of them is Jack Nicholas. He's playing a, a doubles match, but it's a fun one. They're joking with the crowd and stuff. And you know, those sort of rounds which are sort of exhibitions would be the word to use. Have you seen this? I've seen this. This is incredible. Oh, it's amazing. So he's playing against Johnny Miller and Arnold Palmer, and they're at the bottom of the hill on the green, Johnny Miller and Arnold Palmer. Johnny Miller is going to hit a chip, and according to Jack Nicholas, he's there thinking, if Johnny Miller hits a chip off this green, then people are going to replicate that, and they're going to be greens ruined all around the world if he takes a divot out of this green. So he stops him. Johnny Miller says, there's no way I can putt this. No one can putt this. Jack Nicholas goes, you want me to show you how to putt it? He walks over, drops his ball down, looks up at the hole, hits it, and it goes in. And it's such a great moment. Honestly, when you watch the video, if you watch the video, he's putting and it, it's going up a massive slope, breaking three or four times. It's, it's just stupid. How it's ever gone in, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's such a good video, man. I had a funny moment this year in Dubai on the fifth hole. 
And the fifth hole was like a really, really long green and it's like really slopey from back to front. I remember a few years I, I hold a putt and the rule there is don't hit it past the hole. And I think I'd hit it out the rough. So I lost a bit of control. It's gone past and I've hit this stupid putt, like literally 40 foot sort of sideways where it takes the slope and it's gone in. This year I was playing Richard Bland and um, I'd hit it to about two foot and he'd hit it to the front edge of the green and the pins back left. And he's hit this putt up this hill. Again, it's 60, 70 foot. And he, it just, you know from about 20 foot in, this looks like it's going in and he hits it like dead centre, straight in the hole. And I was like, how is that? How has he made three from here? I've stood up and I've missed my putt from two foot and he's beat me on that fucking hole. I was, I was, I was fuming. I was like livid. Oh man, it's nothing worse. What I, I really struggle with two to three foot putts and it seems ridiculous to say, but something just, when I get the ball close, it's so weird. Suddenly there's this panic starts. If I get the ball six, 10, 20 foot away, I think I'll have a go. But as soon as it's a gimme range, I panic. How can I improve on that? I think there was a rule. Now I know I know Jimmy Anderson has banned aim point at Beavis Golf Club, but I'm going to bring it up. I think anything pretty much inside three foot, you generally won't hit outside the hole. Unless it's a mad slopey green. Like there won't be enough break. Unless it's ridiculous, but generally it won't be. You will not start a putt outside the hole. And I definitely think when you get like to two, three foot, don't overthink if it's breaking too much. If you hit it just left centre or right centre, if you think there's a little bit of break, and I'm talking like a tiny amount, and you just hit a nice solid putt, it's going to go in the hole. Okay. So don't, I, I always think that like you get there and you think, is it going to break too much? And just hit a nice solid putt okay. pretty straight at the hole. And it won't, it won't turn as much as you think from that distance. We've had um, a question from Daniel Bamford. He says, really struggling on the greens lately. On long putts, I keep leaving them five to ten feet short. Please, could you share any tips, advice for distance control, please? Now, I'm going to give my tip, Beef, and then I want you to tell me if it's rubbish or not. All right. So I really improved my distance control by practicing looking at the hole while I putted because your body seems to know how hard to hit the ball when you're looking at the hole. If your tendency is to look up, which every golfer's tendency is to look up, if you're already looking at the hole, you're not going to move your body while you're putting because your head's already where you where you end up getting it to. So thoughts on that? I'll kind of sit on the fence with it. I think there's better ways you could putt, but it makes sense. Because if you were going to roll a ball or throw a ball, you would generally look at the target. You wouldn't look at your hand, would you? So it does. In theory, it makes sense. I know people that sort of pace putts out as well, so you know how far you're hitting it all the time. So you would walk and count how many yards it is or how many feet it is to the hole. You've got to get on a green. And I do a little drill where I'll drop four or five balls down from, say, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 feet. And I'll put a tee behind the hole at two foot. And I just constantly try and get all of the balls either in the hole or not past the tee. So you're just constantly practicing different speeds. And you go downhill, uphill, across the slope. For me, it's all about, like we said, practicing and gaining that feel. Also worth remembering, every single putt is a guess, isn't it? You've got to commit to your guess. Yeah, I think so. I Again, it's feel. I think my coach said, um, Jamie said about Luke Donald and he's been coaching him and asked him about his putting and said what did you do when you were putting like really well and he said I practiced from eight foot in all the time and it was like eight foot in holding out from there and then the big slope you go and hit loads of big slopey putts and just keep developing that feel hit crazy slopey putts up hills downhill across the slopes and just keep hitting putt after putt and your brain is just sort of racking up the speed of the green and obviously like it's different because we play a tournament and you get there on a monday and you putt monday tuesday wednesday all day and on the golf course and you're getting used to the speed but even if you get to a golf course and you spend 10 15 minutes just hitting long putts 30 40 50 foot putts just for 10 15 minutes i think your feel will be a lot better than just going straight out on the golf course i'll tell you this every putt I have ever hit from distance that I've hold. I've always thought, whereas it's left the club face, I've thought I've hit that too hard. Every <laughs> single time. The amount of times I've been playing with people and I've hit a putt and gone, oh, John, and it's gone in. And they've been like, what are you complaining about? 
I've always thought I've overhit it. Do you know what? That is one of the most frustrating things when you're playing with someone and they hit a putt and they start walking because they think they've missed it and it goes in the hole. <laughs> Drives me nuts, that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's talk about reading greens. Because when we play together, people can check it out on the socials or on the um, Bad Golf channel. I'm asking you for help reading a putt, which may I say you actually gave me the wrong read and I missed the putt. But you did say, feel it with your feet. You basically sort of tried to get me to the aim point system, which is where you see pros like walking the length of the putt, then standing still. And I find it quite infuriating to watch, especially when pros are doing it over like three foot putts. However, I just could not sense any difference in the height between my feet. And I think I said something like, it just feels like I've got feet. <laughs> Tell us about aim point. Tell us about the different ways of reading greens, because some people hold up their putter and sort of plumb it. So can you tell us about the difference between those two techniques and what technique you use? Plumb bobbing, I'm going to be totally honest, I don't have a clue how it works. Aim point is, yeah, where you feel with your feet, and it's basically done off like a, a system where, depending on the gradient of the slope, is how much the putt is going to break, and depending on the speed of the green, again, so you might have a 2% incline with a putt, sort of right to left so people will practice with um a spirit level and go around on the green and sort of feel with their feet where the slope is and say okay i think that's like one percent and put the spirit level down and see how accurate so they're like literally training their feet to read it because sometimes when you look at a putt it can look really deceiving and look like the slopes going the other way or it looks flat i'll do a bit of both so i'll go and have a look and i think it's really good when you have a look at a putt don't just look behind it or around the other side of the hole walk like really wide and look like halfway in between the putt and keep looking as you walk wide keep looking because you'll start noticing sort of different slopes and pick up more information and all you're trying to basically do is gather as much information as you can in the 40 seconds or whatever you've got to read the putt and if i'm unsure after having a look and sort of walking around the green i'll then have a little feel with my feet to confirm it so i go okay i think that's going to be breaking probably a foot left to right from 20 foot and i might just have a feel with my feet and go yeah, yeah i can feel that slope that is going to break i think it's like piecing that information together we got a question from Emma Ford, and Emma says, Hi, Beef and John. I'd love to know how much the green speeds vary on tour. Also, when Beef plays on an average golf course, does he notice his putting change because of the inconsistent greens? Love the podcast, Emma. Great question. What do you reckon? Yeah, really good question. They vary a lot on tour, and you've got to think, right? We go around the world, and the, the grass changes, and that makes a big difference. And if you play a lot in the UK, it'd be a certain type of grass, and... They can get quite bumpy in the afternoon. If you go over to Asia, this is where grain starts coming into it. Grain's crazy. I can't cope with grain. I cannot cope with the idea of having to take into account another factor on the green. Can you explain how it's Bermuda grass, isn't it, that's a real killer? Can you explain how it works? So so basically, because the, the grass is different, it's I would say it's like a stronger type of grass. So if you ever look at um, a green and it's got like a really dark side and a light side, you'd know that there's grain on this green. Now, it affects chipping as well massively. If you're, if you're chipping into the grain and it's dark, the ball's going to spin and it's going to grab and it's going to be way slower than if you're chipping into down into the shiny area, which is down grain. So especially when you play in Asia, you can hit putts where you might have 30 foot and the first 20 foot is dark and the next 10 foot is light. And you're going, you've got to judge this now going up the hill into the grain 
And once it gets out the green, it's going sort of down the hill and down green, which is going to be fast. And it can be so difficult to judge speed. And it's almost like adding, yeah, it's adding another like twist, I guess, to the putt. And it's almost like an equation, especially when you're from 10 foot. You might have a putt where you go, John, I'll say, okay, this is a left edge putt, but the grain is going right to left. So hit it straight. And you have to get over that. Because if you're putting across the grain, it pulls the ball left or right, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, no thanks. It will either hold it straight, if the slope's going and you're going to say the putt's going to go left to right and the grain's going left to right, you've got to hit it outside the hole because it's going to go sideways. It's so difficult. And that's why sometimes you go to Asia and people who've grown up with that type of grass have such an advantage to some people in, in the UK and it takes a good few tournaments to get your head around it. I remember hitting one putt and I was like, it's again like three, four foot. The grain's going right to left. And I probably missed the hole by half a cup from four foot. Really? Yeah, and I was like, what? Oh man. Like, it's insane. And then you've got the <laughs> next one coming back and you're like, you get into a situation, I don't know if you ever had it, John, when you get into three or four putt territory, which we've all had, that hole just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Every time you miss one, that hole gets like 25% smaller. I want to talk to you a bit about putting etiquette. And I think there's two key areas of putting etiquette that our members might be interested in. Firstly, when you're taking a putt and I want a read, where is it okay for me to stand and where is it not okay for me to stand? Obviously, you can't stand directly behind someone or directly through the other side. Mm -hmm. I tend to stand probably at like a 90 like degree angle. So say if you're putting, I'd face you. And then once you hit the putt, I will kind of take a couple steps and watch what the ball's doing. So I'm like miles out the way, but I can see what's going on. I'd say that's acceptable. Okay, because that's the worst place to stand. That's like being side on at a cricket match, trying to get an idea of which way the ball's swinging. I want to ideally be stood right behind your putter. So at what angle, in the 180 degrees between the back of you and the flag, I really want to be standing at a a 45 degree angle is that acceptable no really no because you can you can see people in the corner of your eye yeah so like definitely like the etiquette i would stand like face on all the time so once you hit that part i would start walking towards 45 degrees and then watch what the ball's doing does that make sense yeah what if you are standing at 90 degrees but you're standing like a sort of 100 meter runner so you're down in the blocks and as soon as you've hit it i'm actually <laughs> sprinting uh, to get behind you to see which way the ball's going is that acceptable yeah, I guess so. As long as you're not putting anyone off or standing in their, like, eye line. Okay. Which I, I always say, like, standing sort of face on someone or, like, directly behind or in front of them. Yeah. Like, you can't go wrong. Okay. Well, I'll put it to the test at the Pro-Am uh, if I uh, ever get to play it. Next big, huge area of contention is obviously gimme distance. Worth pointing out, if you're putting a score in to England golf or handing it in or you're playing in any kind of comp apart from match play, you can't, there's no gimmies. And personally, I think it's less stress to just have no gimmies. However, when you're playing match play, gimmies become a big talking point, a big issue. What would be your rule of thumb? I don't get why people complain about this, right? And it's saying like, oh, you're not giving me that. Well, if it's that easy, just tap it in then. I don't see why it goes further than that, why people get upset about people not giving someone a gimme. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, but if you're playing in the Ryder Cup and, God forbid, Patrick Reed has knocked it to two foot, you're not going to make him putt that. Where do you draw the line if you were playing in that level? There is no line. You have to feel it. If you look at it and go, oh, I don't know, it looks a bit bumpy there on the green or it's a bit of slope. He hasn't putted great. I'm not going to give it to him. And if he complains about it, I go, well, God, knock it in then, mate. It shouldn't be a problem if you're complaining that it's too short. But the danger is that then Patrick Reed does knock it in, gives you a little smirk, the crowd get behind him, he's fired up, and he does you seven and six. <laughs> no, I don't think there's I don't think there's any range where you should or shouldn't give a putt. I think you've got to feel it. But people shouldn't get offended by it. Uh, we got some more putting anecdotes here. This is from Kevin Tinmouth. Uh, Kevin says, I hit a tee shot onto a par three to two foot. I stood over the putt and started feeling queasy, walked off the green and was sick, came back in and three putted. Oh, mate. Was he queasy because of the putt or 
Was it because of something else? It doesn't say, it doesn't give any context. Putting's so difficult. It is. It's, it sounds like it should be easy, but again, like to hit a ball straight two, three foot, sometimes it can go wrong. This is from John Dixon. John says, after getting into golf just over a year ago, my putting was woeful. I mean, really bad. Even from 20 foot, I wasn't confident of a two putt. Uh, it really was the worst part of my game. Anyway, I bit the bullet and booked a putting lesson and oh my God, what a revelation. I was given three points to work on and have just completed my first round with no three putts. It's a brilliant target to aim for. That's a great goal to achieve. I've shaved at least five shots around. Respect the flat stick, folks. Couldn't agree with you more, John. What would you say be for the are the sort of three mistakes that amateurs make with their putting and their putting stroke? Setup is key. Ball position is key. And you want that fairly like square in between your feet on your chest mm -hmm. or just in front of your chest. You don't want it too far forward, too far back. I think that's key. I would say, yeah, the way you set up with shoulders and forearms. So if your shoulders are aiming left or right, you're generally going to start the ball left or right. But that goes all the way to long game as well. So I think like set up on your aim is key. If you can get really good and consistent the way you stand, and even for us pros, we're the same. Like I'll come off and someone take a video and I'm standing all over the place. Like shoulders aiming a bit left, forearms a bit right. And again, it's something you have to constantly just sort of check and keep on top of. But if you're standing well, you've got a better chance of making a repeatable stroke. I love one of my favorite things I use is, um, as a putting drill, like the putting gates. It's reinforcing your aim and your start line all the time. And there's no doubt. So you get constant feedback. I think they're one of the best pieces of equipment. A putting mirror and a gate, I think, um, and a string line are my three my three favourites. Sounds like you're laying bricks, not putting. <laughs> you wouldn't want me to come and uh, do your patio or build a wall, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've had some feedback. Uh, one of our members has emailed us saying, Beef and John, just wanted to let you know I'm grabbing practice where I can, annual golfing weekend in six days, and hoping to break 100 on two consecutive rounds. Putting is my downfall. However, since your suggestion of putting to a biscuit, I'm mostly winning. Hit the biscuit, eat the biscuit is working a treat. <laughs> it's turning out to be the golf mantra that's setting the Beef's Golf Club a light beef. How can you patent a biscuit or something so you can putt to it like it's an actual putting gadget? Well, you can patent the, the logo or motto putt to a biscuit. Um, Joel Taylor says, I think we should have a special jammy dodger-shaped putting green about 50-foot circle with 10-foot of rough with small mounds on the outside like on the biscuit and one single flag in the middle where the three-foot around the hole is dyed red. This is where drawn matches will be decided via a chip-off closest to the pin after three shots each from the rough takes it. Don't mind that. No, it's a great idea. I mean, I told you this is genius, putts to a biscuit. And I mean, the only thing I'm a bit concerned about, and it's only just dawned on me about, that your putting might be better, but your cholesterol might be getting a lot worse here. Yes, it's not going to do much for the BMI of the members, but you could also, you could putt to something healthy, you could putt to... Rice cake. A rice cake, yes. You could putt to a slice of roasted cauliflower. You could putt to a... What else is gross? A walnut. You could putt to a walnut, couldn't you? Oh, well, actually, no, they're, they're even worse for calories, though they're much healthier, of course. A great idea. You could build, like, yeah, like you said, a big putt in green and have loads, especially for the long putts. I think it's genius and have that, like, jammy dodger bit that's, like, three foot. So, again, instead of putting a tee behind the hole and stuff, you can just drop a ball from 20, 30, 40 foot and then just putt into the jammy dodger bit instead. It would save a lot of time. We've had some list other listener suggestions for the putting green at Beef's Golf Club. Michael Anderson says... Can we have bumpers on the putting green like you get at the side of bowling lanes? <laughs> Ollie Cole says, the main requirement should be that the practice green is maintained to the same speed as the greens on the actual course. That is all I ask for. That's a great shout. What do you reckon? Have you come across practice greens that give you no read whatsoever on the main course? Uh, a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of times when you come out and they're like, sometimes they've been quicker as well. And all of a sudden you get on the first and you hit one a couple foot short and you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. And you get on the second again, a couple for short, and you're like, fucking hell. You're like these practice greens, and they, they do. They cause up a big problem, man, if they're the wrong speed, 100%. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't give you any help whatsoever. Um, this is a great suggestion from Alexander David. Can I request that Beef's Golf Club practice green has excellent selection of trees and bushes around it so I can practice hacking out from behind the many obstacles? This is where most of my shots are played from. Superb idea. And also... 
as I always say, Beef, when you're starting at golf and you're not very good, because you're not very good, you're often playing the ball from the most difficult positions, behind trees, slopes, from like horrible scrapings, from, you know, roots and bushes and stuff. So you do need to practice those little sort of chip outs because it's all well and good saying, I'll take your medicine, just chip it out. But that's no good if you don't know how to do that. So are you saying we're going to build a whole new chipping area that's for hacking out of bushes and chipping out from behind trees. Well, what you want is like a practice fairway. So maybe like a 30-yard stretch of fairway. And on either side, it's got trees, bushes. It's got horrible little mounds. It's got like bits that your mate won't agree as a molehill. Bits that your mate won't agree as a rabbit hole. And you have to practice all those really awkward shots where you're like gripping down on a six iron or you can't play through your legs. But like playing left-handed if you're a right-handed golfer, turning the club around, all those sorts of bits that you have to do when you crap at golf. I've just got such a good image in my head of like someone walking down with their clubs and a bucket of balls and dropping their clubs in the balls behind a tree and just yeah. chipping out of the fairway. <laughs> We've got more suggestions for the putting green. This is from Martin Dean. Martin says, can we have sensors that detect when a putt longer than 10 foot is sunk? When a long putt drops, it can trigger audio like a golf audience round of applause. This would be a great way to set you up for the coming round if you sink a few. Brilliant idea. What do you reckon? I absolutely love it. And imagine that, like, if you heard, like, a cheer from, like, you're on the second green and you heard a cheer from a fifth and you'd be like, ah, oh, someone's hold like a 15 foot or something epic. And like you could give them a little wave. Could you maybe record the sound of you going, yes, mate, <laughs> for when the uh, ball drops in that we can we can put in the uh, speakers? Oh, uh, I like it like um, a big roar, a big cheer like Tiger's playing. Go on then. Well, I can't do like 20,000 people cheering. Yeah, Tiger, <laughs> like that. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> now, we've got um, a message from Mike Bowden. Now, I think I might veto this, but I'll see what you say, Beef. Can we have a selection of practice balls left out so that you don't need to go to the exhaustive effort of getting balls out of your bag? That is a bit lazy. What do you reckon? Where does it stop, Mike? Where does it stop? Your balls are going to be there, and then you want a club, and then you want a bag, and then you want a chauffeur. I mean, where, where does it stop? Yeah, I think also it's so important to practice your putting and your chipping with the ball that you use. You know, no matter what ball it is, whether it's a Pro V1 or a Kirkland or whatever, but you want to be able to get that feel and judge that pace and the distance and how it reacts and stuff. Do you reckon that's that's true? 100%. Yeah, I wouldn't practice with a different golf ball. No way. Oh, and can I just, for the love of God keep your ball clean when you're putting. It absolutely does my head in. When you Fair enough, you want to use balls you found. I think that's great. Fair enough, you don't want to spend a lot of money on golf balls. I think that makes perfect sense. There's no reason to be spending lots of money on golf balls, especially when you're still learning how to play. But for the sake of just wiping the mud off it, the amount of people I see pick up their ball, mark it, Put it back down. It's covered in mud. It, it's got like old mud on it as well. You're like, come on. Give yourself a chance. Just go in and just wet your towel a little bit. Keep a bit of your towel wet and then you can clean all the mud off it. Because obviously it has an effect on the golf ball. So yeah, don't be piping with loads of shit on your golf ball. Yeah, same applies for irons. You know, people spending 1,200 quid on a new set of irons, they have a practice swing, gets covered in grass and mud, they wipe it on their shoe and then they hit the ball. What are you doing? You've just turned you've just turned a twelve hundred quid set of irons into like a complete load of crap. Uh. Yeah, this one's from Lucy McQuaid. She says, "Is there going to be a separate practice screen for Team Chipper and Team Wedge to avoid conflict?" Oh yeah. Well, Lucy, I think there's going to be one chipping green that people chip to with a wedge, and people with chippers can watch. Well, I would suggest we have uh, the Legends enclosure for people with chippers and um, the knife block for people who want to practice knifing their <laughs> chips and sort of delicate wedges through the green. The duff bar, maybe for people who just want to duff their sort of 62 degree wedges from two inches off the green because they think that's what pros do. <laughs> that brings us on to a really important point about putting for, the, for your average golfer for even your mid-handicapper, for even your low-handicapper, 
putting when you're just off the green. You see people practicing their chips on putting greens from literally the first centimetre of rough off the putting green. Who is ever hitting that shot? Yeah, definitely. Be sensible. Use the putter when you can. What's the saying, John? A bad putt is the same as a good chip or something. Your, your bad putt is better than your average chip, I think. Something like that. Something like that. Your average putt is better than your average chip or something. But another thing is... If you've got nothing to get over, you don't need to get over anything. If you're just playing it along the ground, play it along the ground. Yeah. Oh, what a trip that's been around the world of putting. Anything else you want to say, Beef? Well, one thing I wanted to ask, which we probably should have started with, maybe we can close with this. Are you seen as a good putter? Because obviously on tour, you know, you've got this person ranked 200th for putts, but they're, you know, one for greens and regulation. And everyone's like, oh, if they could sort their putting out, they'd be winning majors or whatever. What are you regarded as in terms of your putting? I think it's definitely an area I can improve in. I'm all right from short range, from like three, four foot, but I could probably hold more from eight to ten foot around that area, 12 foot. Right. If I could putt better from there and hold a few more putts from that range... That's always been something I always try and work on. Again, they go hand in hand. Hitting hitting it closer from 150 yards in and then becoming a better putter, your scoring's going to improve. Whether that's one or two shots a tournament, it's huge. Yeah, and I think like any time you watch a golf tournament, especially the majors, you can win a major if your driver's not behaving. You can win it if your irons aren't that great. No one has ever won a major without putting out of their mind. Yeah, definitely. Someone won this year and they hold like 100% putts from inside 8 or 10 foot. They didn't miss four, four rounds. The final round of the Open when Cam won and Rory came third but was in a shout, that all came down to sort of putts from 10 to 20 foot. John, we need to design a putting green for Beef's Golf Club in the first place. Yeah. I think it's really important to have a putting green where it's got a flat bit so you can practice some technique and straight putts and then a real big, fun, slopey bit to hit quirky putts and have some fun putts to to develop feel from long range. Yeah, great shout. I reckon that's key. There was, was, I remember this one course in in Florida near Tampa and I'm sure they had a, a putting green that was like... I think it was like 100 foot by 100 foot. It was huge. So yeah, you could go off and like find loads of slopes and, and flat putts and stuff like that. I always think that's key. But most important after we design it, we need to name it. We do need to name it. And maybe the listeners can help us out with this because we need some kind of beef slash cow pun for uh, our putting green. It has to be something along the lines that's really, um, as we say, it's the most important part. What's the most important part of a cow? Mm. Ribeye? It's the best bit. I'm just looking up cuts of beef. What cuts do you want to know? Well, we've got them all here, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the shank is actually a cut of beef. (laughs) We're going to call it the brisket. Do you know why? Why are we calling it the brisket? Because there's two parts to a brisket. The flat, which is a flatter bit, and the point, which is a slopey bit, which is the perfect putting green. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And you put to a biscuit on the brisket. (laughs) That's what we say. There's a big sign. Come put to a biscuit on the brisket. 100%. It has to be called that for sure. And then we've got the best of both. The flat bits to practice technique and the points. It's some slopey ones. Well, it's a match made in heaven. Well done, Beef. Well, Beef, great chatting all things putting. Uh, But before we go, let's remind our members that if you'd like to listen to this podcast with no adverts, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, where you'll also get ad-free access to all of Crowd's other sports shows. You can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. What have we got coming up next week, Beef? Mate, we've got another major, so we're going to be chatting all things US Open. Lovely stuff. Look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye. Take care. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.